it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of your favorite Swimbait Podcast, Scales and Tails, episode 105. And today we're joined by a gentleman who who spends almost almost more time uh, down there in the beautiful beautiful Lake Bacharach than he does uh, up here in the U.S. We are joined by Mr. Chad Meenan, who I'm sure if you guys are on Swimbait Universe or you know friends with him on on Facebook or Instagram, you guys often see him post about about that beautiful lodge down there in Mexico and all the, the kick-ass fishing. So, and we've, we've also had a couple of guests on talk about, uh, talk about the lodge down there and their experiences. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to kind of talk about how he got into fishing, obviously, and, and, uh, and kind of what Mexico is like, what you can expect and, and some of the other stuff that he's offering in the, in the next year or so and some of the other trips he's gone on. So Chad, kind of introduce yourself to us for the, for the folks who don't know, and we'll get right into it. How's it going, guys? Uh, I'm Chad, and uh, you know, fishing is kind of my life right now. Um, I am in on Swimbay Universe, uh, and uh, and I work for a company called Real Mexican Adventures. That uh, well, we own Lake Bacharach Lodge, and uh, and send people to a few other locations, and yeah, that's most of it. Heck yeah, man! So, kind of before we get into Mexico and how you got into that and all those crazy experiences you've had down there with with some with some great group of guys, how did uh, how did you fall into the fishing thing? You kind of said it was your life. So where did where did this part of your life start for you? Well, I mean, I've been fishing since I was a little kid. Um, my my uncle got me into it, and that was that was my outlet. Um, I took a little break uh, after college, you know. Just, just get into the workforce and, and all that, and uh, and and pop back into it with the kind of the online fishing segment. And um, I mean, I always knew I wanted to do something, have something to do with fishing, and, and make that a career. And you know, it just took a little while to materialize, but uh, but it's going pretty well now. Yeah. So you 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 were probably super into it uh, when you were younger, and it kind of. You know, it seems like, and I've said it before, guys, you know, not necessarily fall out of it, but they get sidetracked with life when, when they hit those like early 20s and, you know, that college age around there, whether, you know, they, you know, there's countless guy, amount of guys who got into partying and stuff and kind of left fishing. And then there's guys who it just took a backseat for them. They never actually stopped. But when you got back into it, like after the college, what was, uh, was it through like Swimbait Universe or Facebook pages like that? No, man, that, all that stuff, uh came about uh afterwards when i when i was in college and and uh, maybe a little bit afterwards it was all about the forums um the original swim bay nation uh underground was later and we had one uh called uh called newenglandfishing.net that i was a part of and that was that was really where i spent most of my time uh, apart from the original swim bay nation but i mean that was probably I don't know, two thousand five, six, probably. I mean, a, okay, a, a Wake Junior back then was like fifty bucks. Damn, dude. So yeah, I mean, we had uh, we we've had a couple couple guys on who obviously a little bit older than me and and who have been around since you know that that two thousand five, two thousand six, you know, twenty ten time. And dude, the stories that I've heard like from Nation, like going out and just meeting all these random guys who you've talked to for like a year or two on Nation, going out and fishing with them. Trevor talked about that a lot, dude. Like that. That was the shit that I wish I grew up and got to experience, like in the fishing community, because that sounds badass, dude. But I mean, you can through through Facebook. It's actually a lot easier because right, yeah, it's, it's a lot more normalized. Like when I was doing it, 
I mean, I had ex-girlfriends that were that would always say, "Hey, you're going out with your imaginary friends," or "Oh, you're you're going to meet uh, you're really going to meet up with girls." Like nobody goes fishing in the middle of the night with a random dude off the internet. And like, hey, <laughs> it it was way weird back then. Um, yeah, and it wasn't even that long ago. Yeah, dude. I mean, even like it's definitely gotten normalized. Like you know, people people have online friends now, and it, it's like normal, dude. I remember going to the first gathering i i didn't know who anybody was i mean i flew in and phil picked me up and i had never even met this kid before my parents are like you know you, you're gonna get kidnapped or like well, are you actually yeah. going out there for a fishing expo i'm like yeah like I'm, this kid's picking me up and we're gonna go stay and we're gonna go meet all these guys my parents are like uh okay if you say so like just just make sure if anything happens you let us know yeah yeah i mean that was what it was like my first time it was yeah, it was just a, a random dude near me that, uh, you know, had a boat and, like, hey, you want to get out? And, and my girlfriend's like, yeah, this is weird. <laughs> was that uh, was that through Nation or was that through the New England site? Oh, yeah, that was NewEnglandFishing.net. Um, that page got started in, like, 2003, I think, 2003 or four, And it was really all New England guys, a couple, couple thousand guys. But uh, and that was how I got into swim baits. Like, nobody... I mean, swim baits weren't weren't really a big thing anywhere outside of California, um, and in my opinion, until it hit New England. It's like there might have been scattered guys here and there, but I mean, New England had its own little swim bait forum, um, and you know, a couple thousand guys throwing, and, and you started seeing good fish come out of New England. And I know that it's all relative, but you know, to see seven, eight, nine pounders come out of a place that isn't known for it is. I mean, that was a big deal for, for that community. And um, a guy named, uh, named Bill Quattrucci, who actually coincidentally also introduced me to Mexico fishing, um, he had a shop over there in Massachusetts, and he, uh, he knew guys in Matt Servin and Mickey Ellis and Jerry Rago and um, had all their baits in his shop, you know, back, back then. And, and that was really how that got introduced to that, you know, that's that part of the, the country. Three words. Lake Pro Tackle. Lake Pro Tackle has all the fishing equipment you need to have success on the water. Friends of the podcast will receive 15% off their order with code SCALES at checkout. On their website, you can find exclusive and rare baits as well as rods and reels to have that dream combo. Check out their social media pages for constant updates with new arrivals. Lastly, orders over $50 get free fast shipping. Remember to use code SCALES, all cap locks, to save 15% off on your orders at lakeprotackle.com. Your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end, made-in-the-USA rod blanks. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference, too. Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing a depth 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. Damn, dude, that's badass. I mean, it sounds like when you got into it, not not that there was like a huge amount of people, but there was kind of a, a culture there for you to get into and kind of learn all the stuff and, and see all these big fish get caught because... I mean, New England is like super tight knit. Like you got all those, you got those couple states, and everybody. It just seems like everybody knows each other. Everybody knows those couple of lakes, like those bigger lakes that everybody fishes. It's it's super cool to look at from where I am because you know being up here, you know Midwest, it, there's it's just every state for themselves type thing. We don't have like a cool 
cool group like that. Like nobody knows each other past the state lines. It seems like. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a small state with a lot of people and, and, uh, contrary to, to belief it's it's got a lot of water. It's just a lot of small bodies of water. You know, guys say pond fish isn't cool and everything, but who cares when that, when that's what you've got, that's what you fish. Yeah. Um, and we really didn't have like a culture. I mean, we, we built that culture up here. Um, you know, it's a lot different than, than what the Cali scene was and, and, uh, you know what was going on over there we just kind of did our own thing and and really it was just what we had available to us i mean the online thing was just getting going i mean we there was no i mean i think the it was i uh, the, the first iphone came out around that time i mean it wasn't guys were taking pictures with flip phones and we had to use uh like a like a third party site to resize images and put them through paint to be able to even upload them. I mean, it was, it was just a different ball game and nobody, we didn't have, uh, we didn't have like, you know, all the clothing, all the gear, all of this, all of that. It was, you know, it was buy a Matt Lewis, buy a slammer, buy a 316 and, and, uh, and see what you could do. Um, I mean, the, the information was just getting flowing. I mean, for me anyways, I don't know. I'm sure there's plenty of guys who, who had done more research, but, I mean, shit! I bought my first slammer and, uh, and was throwing on an inshore rod until I until I figured out what what I needed to do. Yeah, damn, dude. I mean, that's just it's so cool to hear, you know, the beginnings of it. Because where, whereas when I got into it in like 2017, 2018, you know, you could go on you could go on tackle warehouse and there was a good amount of swim bait rods. You, you weren't having to use like those like I mean those guys out in California when they talk about having to use salmon drop back rods and you talking about like yeah. inshore rods and stuff like that. I mean, there was kind of that standard where we're getting into it. It wasn't hard. You could just type in swim bait rod and there were, you know, not, not a bunch, even like there is now, you know, there was five or six rods that you could pick from and you'd be, you'd be fine starting off with any of those rods. I mean, that's what, if I remember right, that's what was on Taco Warehouse. Taco Warehouse was really like just being known to me at that time. And, uh, I want to say, Maybe the first generation of, of the Okuma guide selects had just come out. And uh, the other options were like the, the Daiwa Heartland salmon rods. And mm-hmm. uh, mm, I mean, honestly, I can't remember. There was a couple other, there was a couple other uh, brands out there that were just starting to get into it. But it was more, like you said, uh, you know, figuring out another, another species rod and kind of applying it to what you're doing. Yeah. And so you just talked about your first rod. Do you remember the first bait you picked up or that somebody, you know, the first time you went fishing with a big bait, whether it was one you bought or somebody lent it to you or whatnot? Yeah, actually, um, I met up with, with Jerk Hang uh, one day because uh, he, had, he had dumped his phone in the drink. And that was the first time I met him because I had an extra phone. And so I hooked him up with that and, uh, and he started showing me all the baits in his truck, told me where he bought them. So uh, a week later, I went down to Bill's shop and... Yeah, I was I was a kid. I mean, I had guy just turned eighteen or nineteen, and uh, went to that shop and spent you know the only hundred dollars I had, and and uh, I bought I bought a seven inch slammer, a mini slammer, and a Matt Lewis perch. Damn, dude! I mean, now you can't even get a slammer for a hundred bucks. So yeah, yeah, exactly, dude. That is so badass. Did you? go out and fish, fish with Jura after you got those baits? Or was it kind of a thing you started to do by yourself before you started talking to other people more? No, um, I mean, I was on break from school and that was in the wintertime. So I didn't, and then I went back out of state for school. So I actually, I mean, I, I've been friends with Jura for 
get close to 20 years now, but and I, and I think the first time we fished was, was only like two years ago. Oh, no shit. <laughs> well, I mean, like I've been, I've been up, down, and all over the place. I was, I was out of state for 10 years, so it's like, yeah, we, we talked the whole time and like, you know, pop over for a cookout or whatnot, but, um, you know, as, is, as of life, you know, things happen and it is what it is. Yeah. And not every plan goes through. Right. So after, after that winter, after that spring rolled around, did you take those baits down to wherever you were living at the time and, and fish them at all? Or did you wait till you came back up there to start fishing them? No, I mean, I was only in New Hampshire, so it wasn't like I was oh. super far, but I mean, you're also talking when, shit, when that was, and we had gas almost, I think it was 550, 550 a gallon. And I was a poor college kid, so I, I wasn't making too many trips back to Massachusetts. Damn, dude, was was that like two thousand eight, two thousand nine? I don't know. It was whenever Obama was in there when he when he first got in there. So I don't really not care too much into politics, but it, you know, driving I was driving a big truck at the time, and it ate it ate through gas. Yeah, you were you were buying baits instead of putting gas in the tank. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I had I had good water close to me uh, at school, and then I I ended up living up there for a while, and then moved for, further north. So. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, I, I got into I got into those baits because they were fun, and, and I caught fish on them, and I mean, I'm still not a great fisherman, but I like them. <laughs> right, yeah. Do you still have those baits, or at least one of them? Probably somewhere. I mean, uh, honestly, you know how it is when you're fishing. You, you go through so yeah. much gear, and um, I'm sure I, I'm sure almost positive I still have that 7-inch slimmer somewhere, but the other, those other ones are long gone. Right, yeah. Do you remember the first fish you caught and, and what the feeling was? Were you like, holy shit, I can't believe like a fish had just, just eaten this bait? Oh, yeah. I couldn't believe it worked. I, I mean, like everyone else, when they, I mean, when you see these things in, the, in stores or whatever, you see people post them, it's like you almost don't believe it. I, I don't know. I felt like I was hucking a two-by-four. I mean, it's, when, you go from, when you go from throwing eight-pound line and, and, uh, and power, power worms to to making that jump to a bait that size it's just it feels weird it feels weird but like the rush when you get hit and get bit on those that's what i was chasing afterwards yeah were you were you posting in your fish onto that new england site or on on nation at all when you when you first got into it um yeah more on more on uh nef than i was pretty quiet on nation i didn't really like get into too much of that Mm -hmm. i tried to learn a little more yeah, I don't know. It's like uh, I liken it to when you go to a party and you don't know anyone. And you you know, sit like, there. There weren't a lot of guys like from New England on, or, or at that time, there weren't as many as there are now um, on those on those sites, and definitely none that I really knew personally. Um, I mean, I, I know like uh, like Dan Southwick is on there. Um, you know, Wayne was on those sites too, and but I mean, I didn't know a lot of people personally, and I and you know, who cares about my five pounder from New England, but the guys in New England cared about it, so that's where I posted. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense. And were guys were they were they like shocked when you were posting these pictures with the seven inch slammer and stuff? Like, holy shit, this is a huge bait, or kind of did the guys no, who know know? No, because I wasn't the first. I wasn't the first person doing it. Um, right, you know, far from it. So, like, you know, these I was shocked when these guys were posting fish, and that was kind of yeah. what got me into to doing it. But. Um, they had a lot more success than I did. So, you know, it took me a, a while to really get my footing with it. I mean, there's, there's guys who really go out there and just slay with it. And then, you know, there's guys who, there's guys who catch, but 
it isn't their primary method. Like, and for me, for a while, it wasn't. It's, you know, when you talk to guys and they tell you to really be successful, you really got to go out there and, uh, and leave the conventional stuff at home. And I didn't figure that out until a long while later. You know, I didn't figure that out to probably 2010 or 11. So like, yeah, it was a tool in my game, but, but I wasn't consistent with it because I wasn't using it consistently. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun learning about them and a lot of fun, but I learned the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and going back to what you said about guys, um, like, like when those first couple guys started posting about the big swim baits on that page, I mean, dude, that's how it is now. If you go on, uh, like Michigan or bass fishing, Michigan or whatever, and you post, you know, a six inch glide bait, uh, with a, with a fish, you know, river smallmouth or whatever it may be, dude, people lose their mind. Like, Oh my gosh, that, that lure is way too big, you know, X, Y, Z. And it's funny that that you're talking about this stuff, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And then that's, that's kind of what it's like now here because it just hasn't caught on. And because it hasn't become that thing that, that I guess is normalized or, or people post about it enough that people realize like, okay, it makes sense that, that they're fishing this stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had, we had a lot of guys catching and we had a lot of guys catching big fish, but if you, if you didn't go out, if your first fish wasn't, wasn't a big fish, then you know, it's not going to switch you right away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And dude, even now, like I see somebody, you know, a couple of weeks ago, somebody made a post in universe talking about, uh, you know, I'm in Michigan X, Y, Z. And there were people commenting on there that I had never even heard of. And I'm like, Oh, like, and, and they, you know, whether or not I don't see their posts or they don't post, they kind of just stay and watch and kind of learn and stuff. I was really surprised how many people commented on that post. I was scrolling through and, you know, there was probably, 10 or 12 guys that I had never even heard of before. And I'm like, Oh, well, you know, this is 10 or more, 10 or 12 more guys than I knew who were doing it in the state. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's, it's interesting to see it kind of, kind of start to get a little bit more popular, especially now with, with all the big companies making baits and stuff. It's, it's a lot more accessible. And, uh, I was, I was talking about this with somebody a couple episodes ago where, where it's kind of starting to become so mainstream that you're seeing all these tournament guys do it and stuff now. So you're, you know, you're sitting there on a Sunday or Sunday afternoon watching somebody catch all these fish on Redcrest with the coal shed. And you're like, oh my gosh, I need to go out and buy one of those. Like if they're catching all these fish, I should be able to catch one on it. And it's going to be interesting what that does for, you know, for the swim bait world in the next like five years to see how big it actually gets and to see if it's going to be that thing where people that technique that people pick up and, and they set down because they don't, you know, like you said, they don't get that one big fish the first or second time, or if mm-hmm. it's something that a lot of people will stick with and it just kind of continues to grow the market, I guess. I think it's, I don't know. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I think it's still going to be cost to turn a little bit for a lot of people. Um, Cause when they make that jump from buying a, a you know, a $6 jerk bait to a, yeah. You know, to a $150 glide bait, it's just, it's just different for a lot of people. Um, for a lot of guys, and this is where the the mainstream thing will really play is, you know, like like what they do with the with the chad shads and uh, mm-hmm. and things like that is is it's going to give these guys a middle of the road option, but for a lot of guys they're they're not going to go past that. Yeah, I mean, there's there are still guys now who you know piss and moan about about the one tens, and I mean the one tens of one how many paychecks you know everybody all the mm-hmm. pros you know when they're fishing a jerk bait, there's a good chance they're fishing the one ten or at least one point in time. And, you know, there's guys who still aren't even shelling out for that. Whereas, you know, we look at the Chad Shad, the Spro Chad Shad, and we're like, damn, $60. Like, I could buy three of these, and I could break two off, and I'd still be content, and I, I wouldn't be upset. 
and you know they're looking at it and they're still thinking like sixty dollars like oh my gosh like that should be twenty five dollars you know you get that classic line oh i can make something like that and it's like okay dude you go ahead go try mm-hmm. yeah it, it's interesting to see i mean even like you have you have more of a of a case in point where you've been doing it longer and you've seen it kind of grow. I mean, you probably you were around when Jackal came out with the Gantrell and, and River to Sea probably you know first came out with the S waiver and stuff. Whereas when I got into it, that stuff was already established and that was kind of considered the the beginner baits. And even now, you know, you get that that next tier down where you have you know Guggen and, and some of these other companies making baits that for for you know fifteen to twenty five dollars. And that's more obtainable for, for a lot of guys compared to what I was at. And then even more where, where you were at when you got into it. Well, those, uh, I mean, those baits that you're talking about, I mean, they did, they debuted at, at the classic and, um, and they weren't, they weren't expensive either. I think they were 25 bucks. Um, uh, G2 shell crackers came out about that time too. Mm-hmm. And, and those things, I mean, they flew off the, flew off the shelves. People couldn't keep them in stock, you know, until, until the prices got raised. Right. Yeah. And it's always weird. Like, so guys will get into it and they'll have these baits for a year. And then, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I do this and I've talked about it before where once you figure out the garage side of things and you start to find these builders and you talk to them and you start buying their baits and stuff, it's like all of that ABS stuff and like the beginner baits, like take a backseat. I mean, there's, I I've talked about the Gantrell a couple of times in recent episodes and people message me and they're like, dude, I can't believe I don't have one of those. Like I used to catch so many fish on it. And I'm like, yeah, same. I, I don't know whatever happened to it. Like I just, I started fishing glide baits and in other baits and, and garage baits and stuff. And it's like all of those ABS baits and, and easier to get baits just kind of fell in the backseat. Whereas I wouldn't have minded if I cast it off two or three of those baits in a week. Whereas if I cast two or three off garage baits, it's like, son of a bitch, what, what am I doing here? A lot of the, I mean, and I, I might get crucified for this, but I think a lot of people like just feel like if they keep throwing those things that people will look down on them or they won't yeah. be doing the cool thing, which to me is ridiculous. You know, fish what you fish, what you're going to get bit on fish mm-hmm. what you have confidence in. Um, for me personally, and, and I don't know, I mean, probably for you too. And, and I know this for a few other guys, it's when you, when those baits start taking a back seat uh, and you get into the, the garage build side, for me, it was more the connection to the builder. It's yeah. like, you know, you, you can actually sit there and talk to them and ask questions and you, and you interact with them and, and, uh, and you, you build a sense of loyalty to them. Um, is some as legitimate friends and some as people you feel like they're your friends or, or it's just the respect is there. And, uh, and that's, you want to fish their stuff. Uh, first and foremost and and if that helps you get bit more it's all the better too so i mean for me that's how it is and i think that's why the gathering is so successful it's like people have the chance to really feel like they can connect with people with other with other people with builders with uh with companies and and it builds a sense of loyalty and man if you if you take care of your people uh, you know you'll you'll have customers for life and i think that's that's what helps grow these garage builders and getting to them to the point where where they can, uh, where they can get, you know, too big for themselves, and they need, and they need help from these bigger companies. And I mean, I don't know, I don't know about you, but how cool is it to to see, uh, you know, these baits on TV winning tournaments from the pros, and you're like, that's my buddy. Yeah, it's a sense of pride. 
Yeah, and and like you said, it's it's cool to think that that you could be you know your second year of swim bay fishing and you get a cool cast to catch on on a throwback or a piz or just just whatever. And you tag them in it and they comment on it, they like it, and they repost it on their story, even make it a post on their page. It's like holy mm-hmm. shit, you don't see you don't see Jackal doing that, you don't see River to Sea doing that. Like that's like the community aspect, like you said, where you don't get it, you know, with those with those I guess mass produced baits and with those. Um, those baits that you can buy like on tackle warehouse and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, for the majority of them, no. Um, I mean, one, one that you almost always will is, is through bullshot. I mean, yeah, Mike's yeah. a great, great friend of mine. And, uh, we, you know, we built a relationship through the community and, and that's carried over into, uh, into the personal life and everything else. But, but that's a guy who gets it. I mean, he's, he's gotten so big. I mean, to me, the biggest swim bait maker in the game uh, you know, just on volume, still doing his own thing. Uh, and, and he's always got time for everyone. And it's just a, just a genuinely good human being. Yeah. I mean, you'll see, you'll see Mike comments on posts that even don't have bull shads on him. And he's like, Oh, nice fish. Or he'll be given advice. You know, how do I tune a glide bait or I chipped a glide bait or, you know, I knocked a bill out and, and, I mean, you, you have him in there and he's, he's telling you, you know, giving you pointers from a builder, whether it's his bait or not, or, you know, talking about, Oh, if you're looking for this type of glide, you know, my bait does this, or this bait does that. Like, that's super cool. And, you know, just, I feel like everybody knows who Mike is. I mean, you could, you could have gotten a mystery tackle box three years ago and had a baby bullshit and you would have figured out who Mike Buka was soon enough. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 just it's super badass to to see to see him do that because like especially when he talks about like his story and how how he didn't just get into bait building like he held his nine to five until you know it was it was ready and he had his stuff figured out. It's his story is super cool about that. But so yeah, so kind of getting back to it. So you you were having success on the swim baits and stuff. You know, it was around that twenty ten time period, a couple of years before, a couple of years after. When did, uh, when did you start? Well, I guess when did, when did universe come around? Was it 2015? Um, so I got, I got back on, on Facebook, uh, for work. Actually, I was, I was working for a, a beer company up, up in New Hampshire mm-hmm. and, um, and I started seeing, uh, you know, stuff from, from fishing friends that I had, uh, that I had made along the way getting posted on Facebook where, you know, before really when I, when I had taken that break from Facebook uh, in general, I was never seen fishing posts. It was all, uh, you know, family stuff and, like and parking and whatever else. Um, and started seeing that and I was like, wow. And that kind of reminded me like, you know, how much I missed it. Um, and really I, I didn't fish maybe for like a year and a half or so, maybe, uh, you know, a few trips here and there, but, um, uh, when I started seeing those posts, it was like, ah, I got to get back out there. So, and I, and I had never, I didn't sell everything off or anything. It just, you know, the gear got dusty. So cleaned it up, went out there, started catching fish, started posting them online and, uh, and found a group called swim bait new England. Um, and then, uh, you know, after a little bit, I mean, that was, you know, just, just, just like how the new England guys are, it was a lot of ball busting. It was a lot of bullshit and, uh, but a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I got invited to, to be an admin on that and uh was on there for a bit and uh and then when uh i got i got had got to know uh eric a little bit through through wayne and just through posting and whatnot um you know i'd reconnected with wayne a little bit and um you know we would talk about different you know different stuff and 
started talking about uh, about Mexico and and you know whatever else. And uh, after a little bit, when uh, when Eric had passed off the group to Wayne, uh, you know Wayne was looking for help, and and uh, I jumped on board from there uh, with uh, with John and Boone. Yeah, did you know Wayne prior to to Swimbait New England or Swimbait Universe? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I did through the through the forums. I mean, I you know we knew of each other and yeah, you know, a couple PMs here and there. I probably bought something and and whatnot. Um, and then he was in Swimbait New England. I was in Swimbait Universe. So okay, you know, and we were both admins of groups. So occasionally we bounce ideas off each other and um, you know shoot the shit and and whatnot and. Um, it just kind of kind of fell into place. I mean, we we're definitely you know a lot better friends now, but yeah, we I mean yeah. we knew each other casually. Yeah, and so when you when you got added on, what was there like you know three five thousand people in universe? No, no, it was more than that. I think it was uh, oh, okay somewhere somewhere twelve to fifteen. I think okay. Uh, so, we're at thirty. We're at thirty eight, thirty eight five, I believe now. Yeah, dude. Damn, that's that's crazy. It, when you guys, when you when you got to be like an admin, and you guys talked, did you ever make uh, make trips, you know, in Pennsylvania or up in your neck of the woods at all, or did you guys kind of meet for the first time down in Mexico? Yeah, the first time I met Wayne was actually Mexico. Oh no, shit. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, so uh, I mean, that was uh, like sixteen or seventeen, I think, when um, when Wayne took it over. And it was only a, it was only maybe a couple months uh, after that 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 he came down to Mexico with me the first time. When I had first invited him, um, I was not an admin over there. Okay, and I guess so that this kind of we'll talk about this now. So when you and Wayne went down there, that wasn't your first time going down there, I assume, right? No, I had been down a couple times prior. So how did how did you hear about Lake Backrack? Was that kind of something that that you had always known about that had like super good fishing, and then there was lodges and stuff down there? Or? Yeah, it was uh, like I said, that guy Bill um, was on NEF, and he would post he would he would take trips down there um, in the early two thousands. They opened a lodge in two thousand four. Um, I think he went either the first or second year it was open, and then a couple of years after that, and uh, guys would go down with him from NEF. And I mean, I was a kid; I had no money, so. Mm-hmm. But I, I would stop in the shop and mention that I wanted that I would love to go, but I'm broke and whatever else. And um, you know, after after getting off some of those sites, uh, you know, getting into the workforce and, and whatever else, popping back on Facebook, I got a random message. Uh, well, I guess not random, but because I mean, we knew each other, but uh, we I can't remember exactly how we started talking about it. But he said he was going to go back down and want to know if I wanted to go and. Well, hell yeah, I got money now, so let's do it. Yeah, and what was that first year like? I mean, was did you have any kind of idea or perception of what you were getting yourself into when you went down there the first time? Yeah, I knew. I mean, I knew because I had seen his reports. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they were, you know, it was 10 years back at that point, um, those reports, but I mean, I knew what it could be. And, uh, and you know, luckily I had I had information from him too, like, you know, a guy who had been down there, previously knew you know knew what the pack knew what the bite was knew this knew that i mean i went down pretty prepared so it was i mean it's still a shock the first time you go mm-hmm. um you know whether whether it be up to your expectations or not i mean it's because fishing is fishing you can't control it 
but I mean, it's, it's definitely always a shock when you, when you catch that first fish out of your normal range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those fish just fight pound from par, pound for a pound harder than, you know, any bass I've caught in the States. So, I mean, for me, it's, I had a nine pounder strip, strip the, the gears out of my reel and it was like, <laughs> like, where do I go from here? Yeah. And was that the first time you'd ever traveled outside the country? What was that kind of like for you if it was? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hadn't done anything at that point. I, mm-hmm. I, that was like my first real experience, even having any money, any disposable income to do anything like that. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, shit, I was already, I was already 30 years old. So <laughs> it's like, I had just got my feet under me, just like really gotten ahead of loans. Like really had just had money to spend finally. And, yeah, uh, right. I went and I mean, it was, it, it's the travel sucked the, you know, but but it was the coolest thing I ever done. I mean, you're out there in a in a place that's uh, it's just unreal. I mean, to me at that time, it was it was just the craziest thing I've done. You, know, you see, you see the different culture. You see, uh, you know, the different landscape, the w- different ways the lake set up. I mean, how the fish fight, just mm-hmm. just everything about it. You kind of had to you kind of had to forget everything you know about fishing except how to set the hook. Yeah, dude, that's so badass. That first time you went, um, so we've talked about it before, like when Trevor was on, how how the lodge now has has rod rentals and stuff like that, but you can also bring your own own rods and gear and stuff. Was yeah. there was was that a possibility the first time you went, or did you have to you know pack everything and bring it down? We packed everything and brought it down. Um, I mean, they had their shop, but it was it was not good. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they were probably a handful of cheap cheap shit bass pro rods and and a few packs of storm shads and some leftover stuff from the 90s i mean it was it was not i mean the shop was not great uh the mm-hmm. rest of the rest of everything else i was i was happy for sure yeah. but i mean i knew i knew that whatever we needed we needed to bring yeah was there was there to, like that first time you went down there did you ever run out of baits like a senko or something that they were just hammering on and you were kind of shit out of luck until until the next trip down to new pack to pack more of that thing. Um, the only things that I really ran out of were uh, were treble hooks. I was I was cannibalizing them from other baits, and uh, and at the very end of the trip, we were recycling storm shads. We were gluing them up and melting them, and however we could do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wild eye storm shads, we can glue, you know. And like, how much of a kick in the nuts that was for me to go down there and have to use a, a a dog shit bait like that. I mean, yeah, the catch fish. Don't get me wrong, and and uh, if that's what, that's what you use, that's great. But for me at that, for me at that time, you know, I was in I was in that place. A lot of guys are where if it isn't a garage bait or isn't made by somebody, this, that, and the other, that I I don't really want to use it. And you know, we kind of had to down there. I mean, I brought I brought all the garage baits down there and didn't do shit with them. And <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, and and it always is kind of talked about um where where guys will be like oh that was the bite last year you know they were they were killing the the senko or the jig last year or the or crankbait or whatever it may be what was was the storm was the storm eye shad like like the main thing that they were killing that that year you went down yeah and it, and it was it goes in cycles over there but when they get on a, a certain bite it's like it's it's lights out i mean that that's what you need to be doing um and for us actually the first two and a half days was straight top water. They wouldn't touch anything else. And uh, I mean, I, I we were catching, I don't know, like 
30 to 50 fish a day or, or so and they were all on top of her every fish and the first the first fish that i that i hooked into mm-hmm. ripped the hook hanger out of a vixen out of the original uh reaction innovations vixen no shit and uh i switched over to omega bass pop max and it was black and orange and i don't even know why i tied it on i think i just grabbed the first thing that was sitting on top of my box and because i mean the bite was unreal mm-hmm. and uh and threw that out there my and my first fish was an eight two and i was like okay so i just stuck with that that popper and they loved it and i had other pop maxes and i had given them to bill and he was catching fish don't get me wrong and he, he even caught bigger fish than me but like but the numbers were way in my favor with with that pop max um Damn. I think he he had a nine something on 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 one of the ones that I had given him and uh and like he yeah so he had a, a bigger fish than me but at the end of the day like the, my numbers of four to eight pound fish every day for those first two and a half days was what for me was stupid yeah um, and then lunch lunch on the third day we went out there and couldn't get another topwater bite and uh, so we switched to storm shads and I'll credit Bill again I mean he. He threw on that bait and caught a six and seven back to back, and and then we stuck with that for the rest of the trip. I think I had three. I had three fish over nine. Um, I had an eleven. I think Bill had a nine fifteen, and I mean we we both dumped double digits as well. And but uh, I mean for me, I mean we, I was coming in with forty pounds every day, and I had never done that in my life. I'd never caught in a fish over over eight in my life, so <laughs> I, it was just different. Yeah, dude, that is, that's, I mean, every, every story I hear from down there, obviously it's, I always have the same reaction because it's so foreign to, to me to hear about like what these guys are doing down there and the fish you guys are catching down there. And I mean, that had to be, I mean, so you were down there for a couple of days and you get back home and were you like, holy shit, I need to start saving. Cause I need to go back down there like next week type thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we put together another group and, um, brought 20 something guys the next time and we went a year later and or yeah almost almost a year later and uh shit we had it's something like 30 or 40 dds in that group holy shit dude <laughs> um i mean it was it was unreal and i fuck and i was i was probably one of the only people in that group that didn't catch one oh, which <laughs> which was yeah that was that <laughs> That, that was a pride check right there. But, I mean, I had, I had a bunch of nine-pounders that trip. I just couldn't get over the hump. But, right. uh, I mean, I brought so many guys that caught them, and, and that, that's what really skyrocketed. And that, that was what convinced Wayne to go. And, uh, you know, that was, that was what kick-started the, the Back of Burrito project. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that was what kick-started uh, the groups, you know, the group thing for, for me. Yeah. Um, which ended up turning into my career. Yeah, dude, that's, I mean, that's so badass. So kind of rewinding back to that first year, you had said you brought down some garage baits. I guess, mm-hmm. were you expecting those fish to lose their mind? Because it's probably something that they didn't see much of down there. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, and what I tell, what I tell guys when they're getting into swim bait fishing is like really apply, like if you've done any conventional fishing, apply the water column to swim baits. Like, uh, you know, you're, your wake bait's going to be your top water. Your bait's going to be your jerk bait, and uh, you know your crank down's going to be your square bill or your spinner bait, your search bait, that type of deal. Just kind of mm-hmm. think about it that way. Uh, your your Huddleston is your jig, and um, you know think about how you dissect the water column and apply your swim baits to that. So I'm thinking, all right, if 
if that's what the bite is, if they're if we're upsizing conventional, well then I should be able to bring swim baits and and apply it and catch better yeah. fish. And that was it was not the case. And you know we've we've been able to do that since with putting time on the water. Yeah. But um, but I mean, it really when you're when you're taking a trip like that, you're spending all that money. If you don't catch fish on the baits that you bring quickly then you might as well be switching because otherwise you're just wasting your money yeah exactly you know and uh and there's a lot of guys who come down there and they they want to force swim bait bite and it just might not be what's going on that week and you know we've had guys that come down there and forced it and it's and they found another bite and it's worked out great and but it's it's hard to do that when you when you only have a couple days on the water and uh you know i think that's where it's good to have you know, American guys in the swim bait segment, you know, like myself and, and recently Josh has got into it, um, that, that can really spend time and figure out a different bite with, with the baits that we like to use, uh, that'll hopefully translate for the groups. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it's prob it probably puts people further ahead when you shoot them a message like a week or two ahead and like, Hey guys, you know, we're catching them on spinner baits, you know, X, Y, Z, um, you know, the, 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 you know, so people, people can prepare for that, whether rather than, than take, you know, 10 of every single bait ever made and, and only need, you know, five different baits. And they're like, oh shit, yeah. well, I have all this other stuff. Well, that's the beauty of also having, having people that like really actually get the industry, uh, you know, doing the, doing the work is we have that shop down there now. And, and, uh, I mean, you've probably seen pictures and videos of it now, but it's, it's a lot different store than what we had when I first went down there. And now if you're missing something, 95% chance that I have it down there. I mean, we have a full lineup of Dobbins rods in there, you know, all the burritos and bull shads and jigs and whatever else that you can, that you can want for, um, you know, we've designed, uh, I worked with Joe, Joe Rainville, uh, and yeah. uh, he, he designed the, the chattel tail, which I also didn't know that that was going to be the name, but I'll take it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we got a bunch of those down there. I mean, that's just, we're, we're set up for what the clients need. And so if people don't want to listen or, or, you know, aren't prepared, uh, and want to, want to force it and then decide midway through the trip that, you know, what they're, what they thought isn't working, then, you know, we have it in the store and, you know, they can, they can get it from us. Yeah. And, and it's the, it's the ease of mind because I'm the type of guy, you know, say, say I was going in October, dude, I would be, you know, panic buying everything right now. And I would go down there and I'd use a 10th of it. Be like, mm -hmm. Son of a bitch. Like, I can't believe, you know, I just did that because I'm the type of person that, you know, I want all the bases covered three times over just in case, you know, that random thing I bring, that's what they're eating on. But knowing like, Hey, you know, I can bring a couple, couple baits. And if, if I don't have it, like you said, there's a good chance you have it. Like just that would make the trip that much easier to plan for. I feel like for most guys and kind of take the edge off of like, shit, dude, if I don't pack everything, they're going to be eating something I didn't bring and I'm going to be shit out of luck. I'm just going to have to pick off random fish that are eating whatever I have. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, you know, fishermen like to overindulge and that's, yeah, how, yeah. We are. that's how we are. But, uh, the way I suggest it to people is, you know, when we set up the packing list, take a look at it, uh, you know, pack a box with the basics, pack another small box with the things that you want to try. And, and go from there because uh, you know somebody in your group if you especially if you go with these open groups like all those guys share things share tactics share baits i mean you, there's a way for you to get what you need um you, you don't need to bring 60 pounds of tackle uh and, and you don't need to overpack the things that 
aren't historically working, um, yeah. you know, bring a couple things you want to try and, and go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's kind of, like I said, that ease of mind of you being down there and you kind of given, given pointers like, Oh, Hey, this is what we've been doing good on, you know, the last week or two mm-hmm. or, or just whatever like that. I feel like that goes a lot farther with guys and like, Oh my gosh, I don't have to, like, like I said, panic and, and not pack the thing that they're catching them on type thing. Yeah. Type, type of deal. So after that first year, you, you said you had gone back the second year, filled up a whole bunch of guys and you guys had a really good, good year of fishing. Mm-hmm. Was that, uh, do you remember what year that was off the top of your head? Mm, the, it was 16 or 17 that, uh, that, that's that trip that I'm talking about. I think I, I can't remember if it was my first time was 15 or 16, to be honest. Right. Um, but then, that that, Second trip I took in the spring, and we did so well that I that I planned another trip on the fly for mm-hmm. November. So that first fall trip was just was thrown together way last minute, and uh, we took sixteen guys, and that's that's where Wayne came. Um, Wayne was down there. Brian uh, Brian Correa and Sean Karen came with me. Uh, there was I mean there's a bunch of great sticks on that trip, and again we I mean we we lit them up. Yeah, I think that that trip I had eight fish over ten. Holy shit, dude! Uh, yeah, so like, I, I didn't get, I didn't get one the first two trips, but but when the floodgates, I mean, when I got one, the floodgates opened. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Did Wayne? Did you post about it on Universe? Like, hey, I caught all these big fish on the on the storm shad, you know, down in Mexico, and is that kind of what piqued Wayne's interest, or were you guys like friends on Facebook and you posted about it? No, I, I mean, Wayne and I had already been talking for a couple of years uh, at that point, um, like, uh, you know, fairly regularly. And we had talked about Backrack uh, before, um, uh, after my first trip, too. And we had been talking about, hey, you should come down. And I, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to. It's, but, you know, it's a lot of time. It's guys got to find the time and, right. and uh, you know, guys have families and work and, you know, it's just life. Uh, but we had been talking about it, and uh, that that second trip that I took, when because guys really lit it up on the storm shad that trip. I mean, that was mm-hmm. debate. All, I mean, almost every almost every DD came on storm shad, uh, and uh, and we saw that, and we we talked, we had started talking about it, and I was like, man, I, I'd love to like get a bait design that's you know moves like the storm shad, but it's but it's built more for us, it's built better. I don't have to bring, I don't have to bring thirty packs to last a trip, like. Um, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, hold my beer. Uh, I got a guy and he mm-hmm. talked to Gail and, um, you know, and then we all, we all collaborated on it and, and it came to fruition and we had the first, like we had 15 baits made maybe at, uh, five, five each or three different sink rates. And, uh, we distributed them out between, between me and Wayne and, uh, and we gave a few to Brian and Sean as well. Uh, you know, guys that we trusted to give good feedback and, and lo and behold, that first fish was Sean Karen's 12. I mean, the one that uh, gets reposted all the time, probably three times a week by him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, that, I mean, that's so fucking awesome. Were you guys, what, so kind of break down that storm bite, were you guys cranking them or were you bringing them up bluff walls? Kind of how, what were you guys figuring out that's how they wanted those those storm shads? Uh, the first time, yeah, it was, it was mostly uh, mostly just reeling along the bottom, uh, you know, with stop and go, just feeling the bottom, keeping contact with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes crawling up, you know, crawling up steep, steeper banks. But uh, for the most part, it was fishing on the bottom. Uh, you know, same way you would a HUD, enough to get the tail to kick, and and that's about it. Uh, 
you know, and then in later trips, because we had success with it at 18, 19, 20 as well. And, uh, yeah, I feel like fish have gotten a little more used to it now, but, uh, but really like we were getting them a lot of different ways. Uh, that first trip that Will took, I believe, uh, they were, they were burning them off the bank and, and, uh, and once they passed over the drop, I mean, the fish are coming up off the drop and, and annihilate them in like two feet of water. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that, that those baits will work and, and they definitely kick better at a faster speed. But you know, when we first started doing it, it was it was uh crawling them on the bottom damn dude that i mean that's that's crazy so that year it was the first year that wayne came down is when you guys had the the baka right yeah and and after that were you like holy shit this is like gonna be the the new you know substitute for those storm shads like you know at that point in time was gail making them out of that hard silicone like were they lasting a couple more fish than those storm shads were oh yeah i mean we were we I fuck that uh the next trip on eighteen I fished the same bait for like a hundred fish. Holy shit! Um, I got pictures of it somewhere. I'll send them to you. But uh, I mean, really that that first trip that Wayne came on, there was that twelve. But I think I want to say Sean caught that in like in the middle of the trip. And I, I mean, I was on a completely different bite at that point than than those guys were. So like there was a few a few fish, but I mean, I was on a crazy jig bite. So I just I kept going with that. Um. I think I caught one around nine pounds on the burrito, but uh, and we only had a few. Mm-hmm. If you stick them in the rocks or cast them off or whatever, I mean, yeah, pretty quick. Um, yeah, right. But that, <laughs> the supply dwindles fast. That was that was what that was what got us to really like, you know, ask ask Gail to make more molds to them being sold online. So like, I mean, we I bought I bought like two hundred of them, I think. Uh, Damn. And and we sold them to the groups and and those those groups in 18 um beginning of 18 maybe or beginning of 17 i can't really remember exactly but uh those those trips in the fall that year that was what really kicked the burrito bite because that that burrito bite for everyone was that was the best swim bait bite that i've seen period um and again we had another you know ha- over half the group caught dds i want to say i mean it was um it was it was a special time. I had uh, I had two elevens in one morning. I mean, uh, Brian God. Curry and I had a, had uh, two two different days with fifty pound bags before lunch. Um, you know, we I was fishing with another guy, and we had uh, we had five double ups back to back to back to back to back um, for eighty something pounds. <laughs> wow, dude! That's I think great. at one point I had I had three casts in a row for for uh, for fish over ten. I mean, it was. It was a, it was, it was crazy to say the least. I think at this point now I have, I don't know, probably a dozen fish over 10 on burritos. They're just, I mean, they, they worked on there. Um, But you also got to know when to put them down. Right. I, so first gathering, that would have been um, September 2019. Yeah. So I don't, I don't remember. I just remember talking to CJ at Keith's cabin before the gathering and he showed me a video First cast, he caught an eight. Second cast, he caught like a nine or a 10. And that was like my first, you know, my, my first look at Mexico fishing. And I was like, holy shit, that is the craziest thing I've ever seen before. And CJ's like, he, CJ's, you know, you know how he is. He's like, dude, it's the craziest thing down there. Like there's fucking fish everywhere. And I'm just like, 
I was literally dumbfounded. Like I had seen you guys post about it and stuff, but it wasn't like I hadn't seen a cast to catch at 18 pounds and two casts like that. I'm like, wow, that is some crazy shit right there. Oh, fish down there are ridiculous. I've had them, I've had them eat, you know, eat my popper. And then when I'm fighting in the back of the boat, they'll eat my buddy's crankbait. You'll catch the same fish on the, with two different people casting. Oh my gosh, dude. That Which, I had <laughs> so never seen that before. I've, I've caught, can't, I can't even tell you how many, you know, two fish, one lure, that type of deal. Yeah. Fill up an A-rig, you know, de- depending. Right. So you got, they, they go um, for that spring trip in 2018. Did, uh, is, is that kind of when, how did you end up getting to stay down there and, and being like the, the host and planning trips and stuff? How did that kind of happen? Was it because they saw you, you know, bring a couple group of people and they're like, oh my gosh, like you're really good at this type thing. Yeah. That, um, actually that second trip that I took, uh, the one before Wayne came down, um, I ran into the owner down there. He just made an offhand comment. Said, you keep bringing people I'll just start paying you. And yeah, I mean, like I didn't. I didn't really make anything of it. I just liked going. And I mean, I don't know. It was just, it was fun to do. It mm-hmm. was fun to do a lot. I mean, a lot of, a lot of my friends wanted to go. A lot of people that I had talked to over the years wanted to go and, you know, putting together those groups. I'm like, you know, and I finally had disposable income. It was, you know, if I could put together back to back to back groups, well, then I just stay for a couple of weeks and hang out and get to get to experience more. And so that's what I did. Um, those trips in 18 in the fall of 18, I, I stayed for almost three weeks. Um, me, me and Brian and CJ. Uh, so, I mean, it was, a, it was just a cool thing. And I got a call that winter um, asking if I want to make it a reality. And I was just kind of, you know, talk about numbers for a while and back and forth. And uh, in, the, in the winter of 19, I started uh, January 1st of, of uh, 19. I mean, I had done a little bit of part-time work for them prior uh, mm-hmm. in, in 2018, but, you know, just part-time stuff. And Yeah, and so that first, I mean, how, how fast did, did you see, like, people talk about it, you know, whether they were from Universe or, you know, friends or family? Like, were people reaching out to you like, hey, I heard so-and-so had this experience down there. Like, how, how can I have that same, same experience they did? Yeah, it definitely spreads. Definitely spreads for sure. Um, when I first when I first did it, it was all through Swimbait New England because I wasn't remember I wasn't that uh, you know I was I was a member of Universe, but I wasn't really anyone. So um, it was all done through through mostly New England guys. You know, there was a handful of uh, randoms, and but it was all mostly New England guys. And um, you know, then it. But seeing those reports, I mean, you you know, a lot of the swimbait guys are all are all in all the same groups, and uh, they they saw some of those reports and mutual friends and whatnot, and it started getting. I started getting contacted from there, and then I was like, okay, well, well, if these guys want to go, they're you know they're happy to do it. I mean, I'm happy to have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was uh? When did you get Mike down there? What, did Mike reach out to you or were you like, hey, like I've got this crazy thing down here. You know, I'd love to host, host you in a group or how did that kind of start for you and him? Uh, Mike was in 2018. Um, I had a couple groups going and uh, I mean, I had been talking to Mike for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been helping him with, you know, with bait testing and whatever else uh, up, up in New England. Because uh, it's just a different style market up there, and uh, you know, where he was just mostly doing segmented baits at that time. Um, and this was 
I started talking to him like really a lot when, when uh, he came out with the four by four and the weight kill and things like that. So, I mean, we had, you know, we had been talking for a little bit and um, I can't remember exactly how it came about that he wanted to go, but he did. And, uh, and his first, his first pitch, I believe was, was almost 11 pounds. It wasn't and 13, I believe on a, on a jig. And, and he was like, well, I'm sold. So, <laughs> Yeah, when you're when you're first, you're literally your first fish in backrack is your new PV. It's like, you know, how do you quit that? Yeah, exactly. And do you ever hear guys like like my thing, dude? So whenever I get down there, you know, first fish I catch, there's a good chance it's my PB. You know, if it's over five at five and five and ten ounces or whatever, it's my PB. And like, I'm the type of guy, you know, I go do that. I'm gonna be just like you. I'm gonna be like, holy shit, I can't believe like. I can go experience that and just absolutely bag, bag fish that, you know, don't come very frequently up here in Michigan or in the Midwest. Is there a lot of guys who are like, oh my gosh, like I need to come back every year because I need to experience this because it's the craziest thing ever. Kind of like how you said you were and how Wayne and everybody else has been. I mean, there's both. I mean, there's the inverse too. Uh, I mean, there's guys who come down there and slay it their first time and, and they, they always want to come back and there, there's guys who, come down there and they do, they do all right, but they know what the potential is and they've had missed opportunities and, and they got something to prove and they want to come back. And it's just, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of that. And then there's also the flip side too, where, you know, guys might plan a trip and they might not hit it perfectly. And, and, you know, then they're like, well, I thought this was, you know, going to be bass fishing Mecca. And well, it is, but it's still fishing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's still, still fishing Mecca. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the guides can't put the fish in the boat for you. Uh, you know, they can't make them eat. They can tell you where they're going to be. They can tell you how to catch them. But at the end of the day, you still got to put them in the boat. You still got to have the right gear and you still got to have, you know, the right mindset and, you know, everything else goes with, goes with bass fishing. Yeah. Uh, circle back um, because I had this question. I just, it completely slipped my mind until you mentioned the gear. What was the gear you guys were using for those storm shads? Were you guys using like big, heavy jig rods, or kind of what was the go-to then? My the first uh, first rod that I brought down there for the storm shads was the iRod Junior Swim. And then uh, what were you? Are you using a bigger reel since they're bigger fish, like beefier internals, like three hundred size reels, or kind of what was the what was the rod or the the reel and line you were going with? Sometimes 300 to sometimes the size of the reel doesn't really make a, sh- a shit of difference if you're not mm-hmm. buying the, you know the right quality. Yeah, um, yeah. I, that the first reel that I brought down there to fish storm shots was that the original Bass Pro Revolution. It was their for, their foray into a three ton 300 size reel. I think they were 130 bucks or whatever when they came out. So I brought that down there um, thinking I could beat on it, and uh, I I beat it to death. Damn, dude. And, uh, that's crazy and I, and I never bought another one but um uh from there honestly my favorite reels that that i fished out of mexico were the original uh oh maybe they weren't original the the revo three beasts mm-hmm. yeah um the, the ones with the old uh with the slash marks on the side you know it was yep. a 200 it was 200 size reel but with a deeper spool um and i mean the just everything about it uh, fished well for me down there, and the the Japanese version as well, the uh, the shooter compact. Um, and the reason I liked them is because they they held a lot of line, they were strong, uh, they were comfortable, they were comfortable, and they held up. Um, I mean, you can palm a two hundred size better than you can a three hundred size, and 
uh, for me, they were they're more versatile as well. I could do a lot of different things with them. Um, you know, to fish a swim bait on the bottom, you all I had to do was slow it down a little bit. Uh, you know, to be able to pick up uh, line quickly, they 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 were faster reel. Uh, just everything about them originally for me was great. You know, I can't really find them anymore, but um, those original ones were, uh, they were it for me. Yeah. And you, you just touched on, you know, it was, it was a comfortable reel to fish throughout the day. Cause I mean, that's, you know, ultimately you need a reel and, and, a, and you know, just a setup in general, that's going to get done what you need it to when it, when it needs to, you know, put in that work. But you also need something that you're going to be able to cast for 12, 13 hours a day and not feel like your arm's going to fucking fall off, right? Correct. Yeah, because what, how, kind of, I guess, what's the itinerary for, for a day out there? When, when I land, you know, the night before, it's my second day out there, kind of what's the day set up like for somebody? Um, so whatever, whatever sunrise is, we get up about an hour before. I have the girls wake you up at your door with coffee. Um, as soon as you're as soon as you're ready, go right up to the dining hall, have breakfast, and then as soon as you're done, they take you down to the boats. Now it's usually about a half hour before sunrise or so. Um, you fish till about noontime, come in, have a quick lunch, a little break. Uh, you're back out there, say, in, I mean, in the fall, I mean, about one, two o'clock. Uh, you know, in the spring, maybe a little later, about three o'clock, because it gets hot out there in the springtime, and um, and fish till a little bit after dark. Yeah, and I mean it, it, that comes down to like twelve, thirteen hours of fishing, doesn't it? If not a little bit longer on on some of those longer days. Yeah, I mean it depends. Uh, between ten and fifteen hours, depending on um, you know, depending on you really. I mean, if you really wanted to, we can put you out with our sandwiches. You can fish through lunch, or you know, I've taken guys out at night. Um, you know, it just just depends. Is the night fishing down there like super crazy or do those fish kind of turn off when the sun goes down or what was your experience with that night yeah. trip you just mentioned? I don't, I don't like it as much. Um, I mean, I haven't really had great luck. Uh, I mean, I've taken a few guys out that I've done all right, but really like it just, just doesn't, just doesn't happen for us uh, down there as much. I'm sure if I was night fishing every day, it's one thing, but um, they net commercially at night, so I think those fish are conditioned to to not eat as much at night. Um, they net commercially at night so that they're not in the way of the fishermen during the day. So, oh, that's nice. Uh, they net tilapia uh, for export, so it's uh, you have to do it when the water level's high, when there's when there's a lot of moonlight, because um, there's no you can't see anything uh, when when there's a new moon or whatever. It's 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 a lot tougher because you can't see the hazards. I mean, there's nothing marked. It's a mountain lake. Right. Yeah. And, um, and it's a dammed impoundment and they use it for irrigation. So like that lake level changes week to week. Um, so like, you know what the hazard that was there that, I mean, that's there today. wasn't there yesterday. So you got, you got to be careful. You got to know the lake, um, you know, have the lights to be able to fish and, uh, and make sure that there's no nets that night. So, uh, the opportunities are a little less, but, I have done it. It's just not my favorite thing to do. The yeah. same uh, case in point, I was fishing with, uh, with Kyle Hansen, actually, and he, he had bugged me all week to, to go out at night, and I told him, you know, if he hadn't broken his PB by, uh, by, the, by the last night that they wouldn't be netting, yep. um, but I would get him out there. And uh, he had tied his PB, I believe, but hadn't broken it. So 
so I brought him out and, uh, and th- mind you, this was a, this was a week that like from five to eight in the morning, every morning guys were catching 40 pounds plus on, on bullshads. So a 40 pound plus bags on bullshads. And mm-hmm. we went out that night and I took him to all the same areas and some new areas and literally had zero bites. And, uh, um, oh, I think, I think he caught two small two pounders, uh, off a hump and on a jig with his dick in his hand like literally like every time he tried to pee he would get a bite <laughs> um, so so uh we did that and then uh you know I, I was like hey you know this is i'm tired let's go in and because uh, I, I mean i'm i'm not a guide i i don't guide but we, i just took him out because he's a buddy of mine and um you know the other the guys were working in the morning so they weren't going to stay out all night so i went out with them and uh I went to this last spot and I overshot it because I couldn't see it. And he turned around and hucked a bait, uh, a jig behind the boat. And I told him to pull it back in because I was going to correct the boat. And he burned it back and and stuck his PB. No shit. <laughs> and and that was it. So I was like, yeah, I'm done. Um, uh, Seb Seb Lankowitz and I uh, Seb Seb Aston on the uh, on the pages. I mean, we went yeah. out in March and we couldn't buy a bite um overnight so i mean it's just luck of the draw sometimes yeah and you had just touched on um the the netting thing and and trevor we had kind of talked about that a little bit too so it's you said it's a commercial tilapia fishery right Mm -hmm. and i kind of picked trevor's brain about this like i was like hey um you know are you guys ever scared of of these bass getting in the nets and he was talking about how like the nets are big enough for bass to swim through yeah, it's just, uh, there's, di- I can't remember exactly how it all works, but uh, there's different size nets for different species. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and some bass do get tangled in the nets, but uh, we have a deal with the local federation there, um, you know, to, to protect the bass fishing. So we, I mean, we pay them for, well, we pay the federation. The federation pays the, the tilapia netters to like release big bass. And um, it also acts as a culling program because some of the smaller bass do get caught in the net and those, they can get culled out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I mean that's it keeps the keeps the fishery healthy, right? Um, he was talking about how they net off this big kind of cove, and uh, you know they they pull the nets, and if you like going out there early in the morning, how they were catching super big fish, fish with that. Is is there times where you know those those bass are sitting around those nets and they get pulled, or just just whatever, and you pull up and you bomb a cast? past these nets and you just seem to seem to land on a school of big fish like do these fish kind of school up in around certain areas or are they all kind of sparse fish and they're just kind of all doing their own thing um i think it depends really kind of it depends season season i've seen them relate more to different structure Mm -hmm. uh or different cover you know whatever it may be like one year one year we had them all on points and it didn't really matter where you were on the lake if you pulled up on a point that was going to be one good fish and then you, then you might as well get out of there. I've had it on other, other times where you pull it up around an Island and it's all islands uh, that you're catching fish. You can't catch them on a, on a point or a bluff or whatever else. And they're only relating to islands and, and you'll catch 30 or 40 fish, you know, back to back to back to back to back. It just, I don't know, man. Like, honestly, if I was more scientific about it, I'd probably have a better answer, but yeah. <laughs> you know it just for me really just changes all the time and um mm-hmm. and you just kind of have to adapt to it 
Right. I yeah. just even even though I'm I'm there a lot, um, I still I don't know. I, I still feel like there's not enough time to really like truly, truly, truly learn learn about it. Um, I'm sure if I was there a year round, I could see every every last thing that goes on in the lake. But like, I still come and go for you know months at a time. So it, it might completely flip in the two months that I'm gone. Right. It's yeah. it's really is when people talk about new lake effect, like it is a new lake every time I go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it never kind of sets up to be the same two months away from itself, or, or you know, the whole summer when you're gone or whatever. And right. and so it is kind of always, oh hey, look, it's it's the same lake, but fuck, you know, it's it's ten feet higher, ten feet lower than it was last time I was here. Time to go figure out what the hell these fish are doing, type thing. Exactly. Yeah, and so before. Uh, before you had taken over and, and kind of gotten groups and stuff down there, what what improvements have you made to the lodge and kind of to that whole experience that maybe weren't offered or weren't around? We talked about the tackle shop and stuff down there. Uh, is there anything else you've kind of implemented or, or tried to start doing to to further that experience for somebody coming down for the first time? Or if they came down with you that first trip and then come back a couple of years later, what, what's different for them? Um, I mean, what's different for the for the clients coming down that have been before or uh yeah yeah i guess uh what what are some things you've done to kind of change it up a little bit uh from from that first time you went from kind of when you started helping out into now um i mean for for the from the start it's it's being available and having somebody that's that's knowledgeable about what's going on down there really at all times uh you know from the fishing reports to the, to the contact with the clients to uh, being able to answer travel processes because, you know, somebody sitting in an office isn't going to know about, you know, how the flights work, uh, you know, who's who's doing what, uh, the roots of the lake, um, you know, what foods we serve, you know, that type of stuff. It's just yeah. uh, it, to the fishing reports, to what's working at that time. Um, also, somebody who's bilingual who can actually speak to the guides and, uh, and know, you know, what their thoughts are and what's going on with the lake and just being able to answer relative questions. Um, Apart from that, I mean, the our social media presence has, I mean, probably probably quadrupled, probably more. Uh, mm-hmm. Constant, I mean, just just constant information going out uh, from the actual physical point of the lodge. Um, we've renovated all the rooms, we put new bathrooms in all the rooms. Uh, I was a part of that. Um, clearly, it's not my money, so I, I didn't do it. But right. <laughs> as part of that process, uh, I mean, the, the tackle shop is, you know, 100% me. Um, and that and that really, like I said, I owe I owe a lot of that stuff to to being in the universe. I mean, mm-hmm. I've met a lot of cool guys and uh, made a lot of connections uh, through just industry people that have helped out. Uh, you know, Mike Mike Buga put me in touch with which with, uh, with uh with Bryce over at uh, at Dobbins and oh, yeah, now we yeah. have a we have a Dobbins rental program at the lot at the lodge. You know, I met I met Brad through Universe, Brad Vanderpool, and you know, we designed those concealed carries together. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, was able to do those baits with Joe, Joe Ranville at Real Prey and uh, you know, Wayne had the had the burritos done and uh, met mike siebert and we designed the megalodon jigs that i mean guys are guys are playing with down at baccarat i mean it's just a lot of that stuff uh, has all been has all been uh since i've come around and and not tuning my own horn or anything but it's just 
it's just a fresh set of eyes. It's a fresh yes. perspective and it's a, it's a new, new set of clientele. I mean, and you gotta, you gotta, you know, cater to, to kind of what everyone wants and, and try and give the best of everything. And yeah, really sure. if in those few times where the fishing is slow, well, you know, I mean, at least, at least the, I know that the service is going to be a hundred percent. The, uh, the preparation is going to be a hundred percent. And, um, and the guys are going to at least enjoy being at the lodge. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You had, you had said, uh, having somebody being there bilingual and I would tell you that would take a lot of stress off of my plate. Cause as you, if you guys don't know, um, I do not speak any, any language. I hardly speak the English language. So, right. so <laughs> Chad can attest to this. <laughs> if you've never been to a Mexican restaurant with Adrian, you're in for a treat. Dude, I, <laughs> So we're, we're sitting at this Mexican restaurant and I'm, I'm sitting next to Chad, who is, uh, who's gone down to Mexico a handful of times, uh, as well as Wayne, who's gone down, you know, a couple of times and, you know, uh, Wayne's asking me what I'm going to get. I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I've never, never really been to a Mexican restaurant before. And, uh, you know, I probably picked two of the worst guys to sit next to for also never being to a uh, Mexican restaurant. So we'll, uh, yeah. And then I'm like, oh my, I can never go down to Mexico. I, I will, I will just get made fun of the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's all in good fun. Oh yeah. Uh, shit, what was I gonna say? Um, uh, let me look at the questions real quick. I had a uh, question. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, so for the guys who have followed you and and kind of followed the lodge and stuff, um, so you started, you took a trip. Was it last fall when you guys went for peacocks? Uh, no, it was this past February. Okay, so this past early, early spring, uh, beginning of the new year, you, Brian, CJ, and Mike, is was am I missing anybody? Yeah, Jeff Howell went, uh, John Cozney, and Brad Sayer. So you guys went and kind of looked into this new thing, kind of. Uh, yeah, I can't forget Steve Sapir. God damn! Oh no, my gosh, you're you're missing people, man. <laughs> well, you have you seen his pink shorts? They're they're a thing to be rivaled. I did. I might I might have to look. I might have to check into this. I'm a I'm a big yeah. fan of pink shorts. <laughs> but uh, so you guys kind of did something against the norm. Obviously, not the the Lake Bacharach thing. You guys went in and fished peacocks and kind of what was that experience like? And where was it? Was it in? I I can't remember where you got where you said you had gone for that. Yeah, we went to Columbia, a place called Las Lagunas, and uh, it was again another another thing that you, you you think you're going down for you know once in a lifetime and you get addicted to it and well there goes all your money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Steve likes to joke that uh, that I'm his most expensive friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's not wrong there though. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys. I assume you probably saw this, you know, and, and you wanted to go experience it and, you know, kind of, kind of the same with the mech or with the, with the, uh, back rack lodge, you kind of got a, got a group of friends who were interested and you guys went down there for the first time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, there's a lot of guys who, who will travel with me a lot of different places. And, um, and those are really the guys I go to first for that type of stuff. And, um, really it's honestly, when I, when I went there, it was more just a vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, start talking with people and they want to go again and you figure out a way to make it happen. Um, like I said, like, I, I think guys like, besides us being buddies, I think guys like come with me, uh, you know, because they, they know that they're going to be prepared. They know that, uh, that I'm going to do at least 
whatever I can do to make them as comfortable as possible. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, whether whether it's a, a paid thing for me or not, but just because I <laughs> I like things to go smoothly. Um, so yeah, I mean we we went down there in February. Uh, it's a it was a nine day process because uh, it takes it is. I mean, it's not hard to get there, but there's so few flights at some of these places that uh, that you are forced to overnight. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in certain areas, but yeah, I mean, the company was great uh, that we went through. We uh, they took care of everything for us. The only things that we had to physically do ourselves was book our airline ticket to Bogota. Um, they set up the hotel uh, drivers. Uh, oh, that's nice. The, you know, the pickups, the the airport the next day. So you do have to hop us another uh, flight to to the port. Um, you know, the taxi from the airport to to the boats, the boat to the <laughs> to the camp. I mean. All done for us. The lodge, the lodge I'd say lodge, but uh, this, the camp um, was a bunch of cabins set up up, up off the river. Uh, so we each had our own little cabin. Uh, I mean, for for being in the middle of the Amazon, it was there were nice accommodations. Um, the food was fantastic. the The owners over there, Eric and Anna Maria, were, I mean, top notch. They they hung out with you, you know, uh, the whole time that you were there. Um, Eric would take a boat out. Uh, at like 10 a.m. and bring everyone fruit to recharge, um, you know, and extra waters. And I mean, it was just, it was just a cool, cool process. Uh, I mean, Bogota was cool. We got to go out and uh, have dinner at a nice restaurant and, you know, go hang out in the city. Um, you know, the driver stayed with us the whole time. I and mean, we, you know, I never felt, I never felt uh, uncomfortable at any point. And we had a great time. Uh, we had uh, 17 fish over 15 pounds, I believe. Holy shit, dude. I want to say 30, 30, something over 10. And I mean, you guys had some crazy bycatches too, right? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the Payera. Yeah. And guys go down there and fish strictly for Payera sometimes too. And, uh, but I think the biggest one was Buka got one about 18, 18 pounds. Oh my gosh, dude. That, I mean, those pictures, when you guys posted those pictures, it was just so out of the norm like you guys were posting like those big you know musky ploppers and stuff like that like those big wood baits and i was like damn and then you you because you guys got on a pretty wicked swim bait bite too right on the bull shad down there yeah that was uh i mean we we caught fit we caught pyres on bull shad and small small peas on bull shads uh pretty much right away yeah uh, but really it was it was brian uh it was brian career who figured out the glide bait bite um and i think he had I can't remember exactly what it was, but he had either somewhere somewhere around twenty pounds for a couple different fish on on the trick shad, and that was really uh, it was right right before right after they they were released. Um, and and Steve Steve had oh no he he, he lost he lost a couple twenties on the on the hyper shad because he was uh, didn't switch out his hooks and oh man Mike Mike would not let him live that down. <laughs> Dang, dude. And so how long were you guys down there to fish for four or five days? Uh, we fished five and a half. Uh, so you, you get there on the first day in Bogota. Uh, they pick you up at the airport, uh, bring you to the hotel. Uh, you rest, get your gear together. Uh, then you hop up, then you have breakfast the next morning. They bring you to the, to the airport again, hop the plane uh, to the port, take the boats up the river, uh, get your stuff set, and then you're right out fishing that day. Uh, so that's day two. Then you fish the following five days, um, and then it's the same on the back end. So they bring you, they bring you to the boats, back to the back to the airport. 
you fly to Bogota, um, usually get there about mid-afternoon, uh, take a nap. And then what we, what we like to do is go out and have dinner and have drinks and hang out. And then, uh, then you fly back to your, you know, your original destination. Damn, dude, that sounds like a blast. What, uh, oh shit, what was I going to say? Um, so down there, you kind of, I mean, it's right on the Amazon. So by the sounds of they probably, do they have a tackle, like a little tackle spot down there? Or is it literally oh. bring no, what you, you have? You, you got to bring what you, what you have. But uh, luckily, I mean, for, for peas, you really can go down there with a deep well 3,700 and be fine. Um, you know, a handful, handful of choppers, handful of swim baits, mm-hmm. uh, so a handful of peacock jigs and uh you know some some inshore striper tackle like uh oversized jerk baits and x wraps um and a little bit of terminal tackle and you're pretty much good it's it's not a it's not a super diverse tackle list so i mean you can get out of it i think uh i might have spent 200 bucks oh, 250 wow. bucks on tackle damn okay and was that was that when you guys kind of rolled out the concealed carriers for the first time no, we rolled out the concealed carriers the year before. Okay. Uh, this is the second or third batch that we're on right now. Um, we, we originally did a, a batch for Lake Backrack Lodge. Those were the originals. Those sold out in like two weeks, not even. Um, and then we did another batch, uh, the concealed carriers for, for general travel. Um, and I want to say we just reordered. They're supposed to be due in this month. Oh, hell Yeah. And is that, uh, did you guys bring full-size rods down there? Did you all bring travel rods? Just no, for- it's all travel rods. Uh, really for international, like that, um, like Mexico is a little easier, but it's still going to cost you. Right, uh, yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that was the whole idea behind the concealed carry. When, when concealed carry came out, it was really based for, for Mexico because mm-hmm. I, hadn't been in, I hadn't been to the, any of these other places. So right. um, for me, the horror stories were, Guys would fly down with their rod tubes, or they'd fly down with their with their original uh, departures, and and then they try and turn around and go back, and they'd either get charged more for the for their full size rod tube, or their carry on uh, departure actually exceeds the tra- the the carry on length limit. So while they mm-hmm. might not bag you in the states, they they will get you when you're leaving to go back to the states. That's um, probably worse. <laughs> So I talked to Brad and told him, "Hey, like this is what I want. This is how how I'd like to do it. But it needs to be, it needs to be a versatile rod with enough backbone to be able to throw a burrito or a bullshad down a back rack, um, uh, or whatever other whatever other swim bait that you're going to try and focus on. Yeah, and uh, but also be, you know, versatile enough where you could throw a Texas rig or whatever in a pinch. Um, so that's what we did and." And it was great. I mean, guys were able to carry them on the plane and not not get screwed with. Or I mean, they're small enough where you can fit them in a backpack. Or because that's mm-hmm. really all the airlines care about down there is that it's not open. So right, like, yeah. I just throw it in my roll away and call it good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ease of mind. I mean, that's that's fucking sick. And it just it just so happened to be perfect for for pea fishing and easy to carry and stuff like that. So it's like, oh hey, like it's fucking pretty badass. Like damn near perfect for this style of fishing too. And that was a thought. It's like, well, we were going to go down there and, and beat on them and see what happens. Because, I mean, to my knowledge, nobody had done it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, every, every guy in my group had them. And, uh, and we didn't have any issues. So, yeah, I mean, no, you yeah. saw, how many, I saw how many big fish got posted. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking sick. What was the craziest thing you saw down there? Did you see, like, any big-ass snakes or any pumas or anything crazy while you were fishing? 
Oh, I mean, some parrots and whatever else. But I mean, we're we're on we're on the outskirts of the Amazon jungle. So, oh, okay, okay. Um, I mean, yeah, there there are those things, but it wasn't those things come out more in the rainy season. Mm. So like, or at night. So like, really, when when they're rolling down the river, you don't see as much wildlife, uh, you know, apart from birds and you know the occasional monkey. Right. Yeah. Huh. Is is that going to be something? Because you guys are planning a trip for uh, February twenty twenty four for down there, right? Uh, I got a bunch of stuff in the works right now. Um, Colombia is Colombia is weird because their <laughs> their government's infiltrated by PETA, so um, there are some weird regulations. The way we mm-hmm. were able to get around because sport fishing there is technically not legal. Okay. Uh, the way that we were able to get around it, it was. Uh, is the place that I had reserved with is on a reservation. Mm-hmm. So just like in the States on reservation land, they have their own set of laws. Yeah. So that's kind of how we got around that. Um, also looking into Brazil right now and, uh, you know, a few other, few other things, but um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the idea is to just get like-minded guys who, who want to go and have fun. And uh, you know, anyone's really, anyone's welcome to join. Like I don't, I don't have restrictions on that, that type of thing. Right. Hell yeah, dude. And yeah, kind of, kind of closing it down. Perfect little segue here. Um, if, if somebody's interested in, in coming to back rack, you know, have questions or whatnot, uh, how can they reach out to you? What, what website can they check out? You know, Instagram page, stuff like that. Uh, sure. Um, I mean, they can, they can get at me on Facebook on my personal, uh, they can, they can contact me through the Lake back rack lodge website or socials, uh, or, or the Real Mexican Adventures Instagram, or my own Instagram. So whatever, however they want to do it is fine. Hell yeah, man. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Is is there a website? I feel like there's a website, isn't there? Uh, for RMA, no. And for me personally, no. But for, for the Lodge, there is. Okay, okay, for the Lodge. Yeah, I'll put the... If, if they email on the Lodge, does that go to you? Yeah. I mean, okay. well, there's, there's me and there's Cheryl on there, but, they, but my information's right there. Oh, okay, perfect. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll put you know all of your stuff in the show notes as well as like the website and stuff like that. Um, I guess closing it up, what what are you know what's you know a couple things that you would suggest to people who who are looking to come to Mexico, you know whether they've been out of the country or not, you know some travel tips or just just some stuff to for ease of mind to to people who are kind of interested but you know they don't know what to expect. What are some things you'd uh, some advice you'd have for them? I guess that's the word I'm looking for. So the, 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 the two questions I get asked the most are, is it safe and when's the best time? So really, I mean, we've been open since 2004. We've never had an issue with client safety. It's, mm-hmm. it's Mexico. I know the stories. I know all that stuff. But really, those, those advisories have been there since, you know, since the 80s. So yeah. they never really changed. Um, but I mean, I'm down here more than half the year every year. I go around and I'm the whitest white guy ever. And I've never had a single issue. So, um, just like I feel like anywhere in the world, uh, if you're not looking for trouble there, you're not going to find it right? Uh, for, for the majority of, of things. And, you know, just because something is happening on one, on one side of Mexico, doesn't mean it's affecting the rest of it. It's the same way, same way, uh, you know, someone in, if there's problems in Chicago, it doesn't make it, that doesn't make a shit difference for somebody in, in Orlando. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, so, um, the other, the other thing when people ask, you know, when's the best time to come? Come when you can. 
you know, if, if you have vacation time in January, come in January. If you, if you want to, you know, if your only time to come is in March, come in March. Like, really, the fishing changes all the time. It's fishing. The conditions are going to be different. The lake's going to be different every single time. So uh, really just don't skip on the experience just because, just because you're trying to find the best time because, really, it can be any time. I've caught double mm-hmm. digits every single month down there, um, you know, in a variety of different ways. So if you, if you want to go and have fun, have fun. If you're afraid about going down because you don't have a fishing partner, well, that's what the open groups are for. Shit, if people want to come down and, and just hang out and fish, like I'll go out and fish with people. I'm not going to guide them, but I mean, I'll, I'll hang on the boat with you all day. I've done it you know, for, for a ton of people. I like yeah. fishing, so I'm going to go. Yeah, and it's also like you, you might not go down there you know, with any, any close friends, but you're with these guys for for five days. Like you're you're gonna become friends with them. You're gonna you're gonna shoot the shit with them the first night. Then by the third night, you're gonna be like, oh, dude, like like you know, if your partner doesn't care, would you care if I came out on your boat with you today? Type thing. I'm sure. That's been the best part of the groups. Uh, is these guys are really making lifelong friends. Like you know, there's there's guys that I talk to every day that just were a part of those you know original few groups. There's. There's guys that uh, find out that they live half an hour from each other, and now they're fishing buddies uh, at home. I mean, there's when you when you're with like-minded people, you're you're going to connect. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 being able to share an experience like that, you know, you know, I can't imagine fishing in a boat with a guy I barely know, and and me or him catching a ten, twelve pounder. You know, that's going to do something. You guys are going to be homies after something like that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I the only time I hug other dudes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but yeah and then you had also mentioned um the the pack list so do you send that out a couple weeks before uh before their trip rolls around uh i send it out with the with the invoice so because oh. fishermen are planners so they're gonna you know buy throughout the year but uh but it's also it's online on our site if you go into the frequently asked questions it says you know what do i bring and there's a little link there Oh, fucking perfect. Hell yeah. And uh, like I said, I'll put the uh, the link to the site and everything in the in the show notes. You guys go check that out. Um, other than that, man, is there anything else that you would kind of were, were geared up to talk about that we might have skipped over or didn't touch on at all? Um, a lot of guys ask about, uh, you know, bringing kids down and, and all that. Um, I would say that if, if the kids have a, a good attention span for fishing and they're they're diehard about it, that you know, there's no issue. I mean, there's no safety issue and we make food for kids. It's no problem. Um, but a lot of kids can't handle the, the long days and the heat. So, uh, we do have another location over at Lake Agua Milpa, uh, in Nyeri. Um, and that's where I suggest people bring kids cause it's a, it's purely a numbers lake. Uh, there, I mean, there's good fish in there, but it's not, it's not the giant factory that that back rack is, but man, it's one of those places where, you know, you go take your eight, nine, 10 year old kids and, uh, and they can go catch, 30, 40 fish a piece per day. I mean, that place is, you know, like a hundred fish a day type of place. And, you know, that's, and the, and the, and the, the climate's a little bit more temperate. So it's a, it's a cool place. Uh, the accommodations are great. The uh, lodge is cool. I mean, uh, uh, Mario Holmes, it's a good guy. So, and that's, that they can go through me for that as well. Hell yeah, dude. I, I knew that there was another lake, but I didn't know that it was, it was like that. I mean, it's cool. It's kind of to be, you know, a less timid option for if you have a kid and, and they want to go and, you know, maybe, maybe you go there once or twice and then when they're ready to go, then you tackle back or act together type thing. That's pretty badass, actually. 
Um, and there's a, there's a whole lot of stuff. Um, I do bird hunts in, in Oregon uh, as well. Um, I mean, not me personally, but it's, it's stuff that we have, uh, you know, there's, there's the peacock fishing in different locations. I mean, it's one of those things where for me, I like, I'm like, I feel like I want to be a resource. I, I want to help guys get to where they're going to go, whether I'm going to make money or not. So even if I don't have, uh, something under my portfolio that I'm going to make money, I can still direct you to where to go. Um, yeah. But, you know, especially for the universe guys, like, you know, universe is our home, right? So, so why would I not help? Mm-hmm. Right. Hell yeah, dude. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think if I had any final questions for you. I don't, I don't think so, but yeah, I mean, it was cool. You, I mean, we've had Noah on, we've had Trevor on, and I'm sure we've had one or two other guys that have gone to Mexico that I'm just blanking on. And to hear their stories um, and, and then get to hear you talk about it, I hope that it, it makes people think like, oh man, like maybe, you know, they, they heard those, uh, they heard a couple guys talk about it and they kind of like, oh, I should go. And then now that hearing you talk about it and what that experience is like for you and what it's, what it's kind of grown over through the years, I hope that it, it puts those people on, on kind of the edge of it where they're like, oh shit, like I really should look this, like check this out. Like I'm going to go check out the website or I'm going to message Chad type thing because I mean, I, I've heard you guys talk about it since since I got into it got into Swimbait Universe so 2019 2018 and it just progressive progressively seems to be you know more guys are going and and you're seeing more guys on their personal Facebook pages saying holy shit I just got back from Lake Bacharach and I need to go again next year because it's just it's just a badass experience and it's super cool to see and you know one day one day I'll get to make it out there you know and it's and, and like I said it's probably going to be that thing where it's like you know I'm just like everybody else holy shit that was so much fun. That was so badass. I got to meet so many cool people. I got to, you know, catch fish that aren't necessarily readily available here. You know, I need to start saving because I want to go back next year, the year, year after that. So I hope it kind of solidifies people on, on wanting to go and checking it out because it just, it, you know, you never hear anything bad from it. Everybody goes down there and has a good time, you know, whether the fishing is super good, like you said, or, you know, they just make a bunch of homies down there. It doesn't seem like it's a wasted trip at all. Yeah absolutely yeah. yeah i mean it's, um, that's what it's about man it's about the experience yeah for sure and and even going off of that that goes like you know you guys will be hearing this in the middle of august you know you got a month and a half until the gathering in virginia and if you guys are on the edge about doing that like like do it it's it's fucking fun i mean chad chad's the guy who who helps out down there all the time helps set everything up and i mean it, it progressively gets bigger every single year and it just gets more and more fun every single year i think yeah, we got uh we got four trips going, four group trips, uh, open group trips. If guys want to join this fall, um, October twenty third with with Mike with Mike Buka, uh, Wayne Wayne's hosting one on the fourth of November. Uh, my buddy Matt France, uh, who's uh good buddies with Trevor, uh, he's actually hosting Trevor's group this year because Trevor just got married and bought a house. Congratulations, Trevor! Uh, but Matt's hosting that group on the eleventh of November, and uh, and. Song uh, from Sharper Bates is doing one in uh, December, December fourth. Hell yeah, dude! You you got a you got a busy couple months right there. Then you got the gathering. You got four groups coming. You're gonna be you're gonna be fished out, man. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm down in Mexico right now, so I'm I'm actually gonna be down here and then jump a plane to go back to the gathering, back down here, and then uh, and then probably back to South America after Christmas uh, after show season. Fuck, dude! I mean. 
Yeah, it, it sounds like a blast. And and like I said, guys, if, if you have any questions, shoot chat a message, check out the website, you know, start start figuring this stuff out now. Cause like I said, it's gonna be an experience. You're gonna be like, fuck, I need to go back. <laughs> But I want to thank Chad for coming on and kind of answering some questions and talking about Mexico and kind of how he got into swim baits and how he got into swim bait universe and, and met Wayne and, and stuff like that. Um, like I said, I will put all uh, all the websites and all of Chad's stuff in the show notes. You guys go check that out. Follow him. Uh, shoot him. Shoot him over some questions or look on the site for that fre- those frequently asked questions on that tab. Um, other than that. Uh, make sure if you guys don't follow the podcast on Instagram already, you do scales and tails underscore podcast. Uh, make sure you check out the Patreon, enter into the giveaway. Also see some uh, some early access stuff to the zine. Um, other than that, I think that's everything. So I want to thank Chad for coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and I'll talk to you guys next time. See you guys.